Hello and welcome to the Convenience Mix podcast, brought to you by conveniencestore.co.uk, Lumen Intelligence and the Grocer. Every four weeks, our experts will be dissecting the key trends impacting the UK convenience retail sector, sharing exclusive insight on the latest news coverage straight to your ears. Whether you work on the shop floor or in a head office, this podcast will provide you with actionable insights and best-in-class examples from across a thriving convenience sector. As always, please don't forget to subscribe via Apple, Spotify, or your preferred streaming platform so you don't miss an episode. My name is Aidan Fortune, editor of conveniencestore.co.uk. As always, I'm joined by my fantastic co-host, Blonnie Wists, Insight Director at Lumen Intelligence. Hi, Aidan. And News Editor at The Grocer, Ronan Hegarty. Hi, Aidan. In this episode, we'll be looking at the impact of Brexit on the UK convenience sector, both short and long term. Since the UK voted to leave the EU back in 2016, the issue has dominated headlines, most recently with the massive queues of trucks at the Port of Dover. The situation has changed so many times since the referendum, and even at the start of 2022, the parameters for trading changed again. Suppliers and retailers would be forgiven if they were confused about the current state of play. To help provide some clarity on where the UK is at in terms of trading with its EU neighbours, I spoke to Chief Executive of the Cold Chain Federation, Shane Brennan. As well as being an expert on supply chain and logistics, Shane previously worked at the Association of Convenience Stores, so he's very familiar with the sector. Thanks for joining us, Shane. So what's changed on January 1st, 2022? So as of the 1st of January, we have we are going to see the fir- for the first time the impact of Brexit trade barriers on the goods we import to the UK from the European Union. Up to now, all the changes and, and, bur- and barriers have been imposed going the other way. Um, and that's had a significant impact on, on our food producers and exporters. But now it's going to start impacting on what we buy. And that obviously means it impacts on the convenience sector and supermarkets and, re- and hospitality and anyone who's looking to buy goods that are sourced from the European Union. And supply in convenience has been quite disrupted of late. I mean, do you expect it to get worse? So, of course, supply disruptions are predominantly related to the pandemic. They're related to the 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 sort of unpredictable nature of production capacity, demand flows, workforce availability, particularly in things like transport, have been the major disruptors of the supply chain. It hasn't really been Brexit up to now. Now, we do have Brexit as an additional factor going into this this month. However, um, I wouldn't expect that to still be the dominant cause of supply chain disruption, even from now. It will be the pandemic and the trans- and the, and the, and the employment issues that dominate that in the, um, in, in, the in, in short term. And um, for the changes uh, from January 1st, um, are there any categories in particular you think will be affected? So as of 1st of January, you have to do three things that you didn't have to do before in order to get goods from the European Union to the UK. You have to make a food safe declaration um, for any food product that you're bringing into the UK, uh, UK. You have to make a customs declaration before you move the good rather than in, on delayed basis, which is what's been in place before now. And you have to make a, a declaration on a port entry system. And those three things have to happen. And they are three processes that come with a cost and a time frame and disruption. Um, and that affects everything. That affects everything that you bring into the country. Now, within that, the, the most affected categories, the, the ones that will feel that burden the most, are those that move small quantities of quad product frequently. You know, um, we estimate it's going to cost about 300 to 400 pounds more per consignment in direct costs to bring goods into the country. Now, if that's one lorry load of goods, that's a certain percentage of, of increase in the cost. If it's one pallet of goods, then it's a significant cost increase. So to answer your question, the types of products that will be affected are those that are small volume, high frequency. So we're talking about specialist products, 
We're talking about um, sort of high-end niche products, delicatessen products, um, fresh uh, uh, cheeses, um, um, certain ingredients that go into food manufacture. Um, so it's not necessarily about particular kind of categories. It's about that kind of that kind of model of, 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 of frequency versus volume that will be the will, will be the most disruptive and most difficult as a result of these changes. Well, for these niche products, will we see major price increases then? Yeah, well, it will, it will feed into the mix of price inflation we're seeing across the board. But yes, it will it will become very difficult if you if you are a specialist importer of a certain type of brie or something like that that you only have that you're selling into specialist food shops. The chances are that the cost of doing that direct will uh, will will implode. It will, it will make it impossible to make that a viable sale anymore. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to either stop doing it and source from somewhere else. Or restructure that supply chain and find a way to sort of essentially wholesale that into the country, um, and then sell it on from within the UK rather than buying direct from source. Um, and that's the sort of reorganisation that's now going to kick off. And there will be a net an, a net impact of that is probably a de depression, a decline in the amount of goods that we're bringing across of that type from the EU. But it's ultimately about demand. So if the customer still wants it, then they'll probably find a way, but it will be more expensive. And. Convenient retailers, I mean, they're obviously more agile than the major multiples. Could you see this leading to more of a um, working with more smaller British suppliers? So it's about demand and convenience stores are really good at responding to demand and hyper sort of special demand, whether it's on the basis of the local area they're operating in or the type of customer base they're trying to serve. And we're going to see interruptions in the ability to service that in the bigger operations. So that does create an opportunity as long as you overlay that very closely with the demand. Um, and I think convenience stores are going to have to be really, really sort of sophisticated in the judgments they make about what they want to, how they might harness opportunities in this space and control for the risks of being exposed to, to costs that, that they can't absorb in terms of on-shelf on prices. And um, this is not the end of changes to the Brexit situation. What's coming up down the line? So one of the crucial things about the changes on the 1st January is it's the biggest, it's the big step, it's the leap into putting controls on the goods that come into the UK from the EU, but it's actually just the first step. And the most problematic elements of this, these controls come when you start having to do what's called vet, well, veterinary checks. So when if you're moving meat and dairy, you have to then obviously you have to employ vets to clear those goods in order for those to be able to put for the goods. And they have to be inspected at the border. That is the nightmare of food trade barriers. That's the nightmare that's been experienced by exporters in the last year from the UK into the EU. And it's going to start to come in from the 1st of July for products category by category um, through the rest of 2022 and into 2023. Now, government's working really hard to try and make that as smooth as they possibly can. And that's why we've got the delay. But the reality is, ultimately, these are structural changes in what's required. And once you've got to try and get a vet on site, you know, charging a thousand, fifteen hundred pounds a day to do that work, that is going to filter through onto the cost of that product. And have you worked with any of the UK wholesalers on this? And what are they doing to mitigate any disruptions? So we absolutely. So we obviously represent some of the wholesalers, and we work closely with the FWD, who, who obviously represent wholesalers in this space. And there's a lot of there's a high level of awareness of this concern. And again, that's really about supply chain restructuring. It's about understanding how you can model the supply chain to be as cost effective as possible. So we are see, we're going to see the end of just in time. Uh, milk rounds picking up product in Northern Europe and bringing it in for overnight delivery into, into the south of England. That is not a viable model beyond the end of, of, of these changes. So we're going to have to start wholesaling, you know, literally buying at source, bringing it into the country, holding it, 
and then selling it on from within the UK. And I guess that's an opportunity for the wholesale market. Um, but, it, but equally, it does mean there's going to add, add, add additional profit margin and cost into the supply, into the model. So the product will be available, but it will be demand led. and It will be about finding the right price points and the right products for that to, for that to work. And I mean, is there anything that convenience retailers can do to help with this? Convenience stores need to do what they focus on, what they do best, which is understand what their customers want, source it from the best place they can, and then sell that for the best for the best profitability position they can. It will be certain types of products. We are talking really about these sort of niche, you know, uh, products that are, that are sold on the brand and the, and, and the relevance to that particular region they're export, imported from and that kind of thing. So it's not really about the sort of the, the bulk of the products that are on the on on, on shelf in a convenience store. Um, and I guess if you're a retailer that's exp that's, that's very uh, focused on doing that and doing it well, then you will adjust to this in, in whatever way you can. Um, for the majority, actually, I think they'll probably see that they won't see that much of an impact in terms of range change because their wholesalers and their suppliers will find ways to to restructure in order to insulate them from that risk. So a lot to unpack there from Shane. Ronan, you've been covering the entire retail sector, not just convenience. How has Brexit affected the supply chain retail and is convenience more vulnerable than other channels? It's interesting. I, um, I, I think I have to say it actually is more vulnerable. I think when the grocer started reporting early last year about the supply chain shortages, um, largely driven by the drivers, um, you know, the lack of drivers and, and the labour crisis, it was convenience stores, it was wholesalers supplying convenience stores where we noticed the impact first. Um, whether that's to do with, uh, you know, likely be impacted because they got more drops to make, um, you know, more pressure on their on their logistics networks, um, whereas, you know, supermarkets, you know, not quite as much pressure at the time with, you know, distribution centre to major stores, big drops, fewer deliveries, things like that. Um, it was only a matter of weeks, but then, you know, the multiples and the supermarkets seem to be affected in the same way. But it, it sort of just showed, I think, the fragility of the supply chain that, um, yeah, we definitely sort of, sort of see it first inconvenience. What really resonated with me was when Shane was talking about the types of products that would be most effective. So those that are sold in small quantities of product, but sold often. And that's what convenience is about. And the sorts of products he's listing are really what I see as the future of convenience, in particular specialist fresh. Um, so it's, it's quite unknown and unclear to what extent consumer demand will still be there and, and what price their demand will be able to bear. But for me, I think a rise in local produce is the saving grace here. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm plenty. I mean, it's interesting you say about the, the type of products that will be affected. Do you think this could and, and, and how you see them as the future of convenience? I mean, do you think it's going to set the choice in the sector back a bit? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's a, a bit of a risk because it's that it's this area that convenience can really compete on compared to the big multiples, especially that switch to to online where actually decisions are made a bit more on price and a little bit less brand loyal and where convenience can really differentiate itself in those maybe harder to get uh, sorts of products from local supply. Yeah, I think it's really interesting in that regard because, um, you know, we've, we're seeing convenience uh, retailers, we're seeing their wholesalers, their, their partners, um, looking to convince retailers to invest in their stores, to um, uh, improve their range, to sell more of these specialist products, to sell more local, to sell a lot more um, chilled, um, high margin, long life chilled products. And when there's pressure on supply, 
you know, retailers are going to be saying to themselves, we've put all this investment in new fridges, et cetera, new fixtures. And, you know, they're looking at empty shelves and empty fridges and, uh, and that could be a real worry. I mean, it's not quite that desperate situation yet, but it's certainly a concern. Absolutely. And Blani, I mean, you touched on it with the, you know, the importing of certain products being more difficult that may lead to a, a by British movement. Um, as we all know, independent retailers are ideally placed to take advantage of the, working with smaller, more uh, local suppliers than their major multiple competitors. Have you seen much of this in your research? Yeah, completely. I mean, firstly, local supply has mass appeal. So 78% of British consumers said that supporting local suppliers and retailers was either important or very important to them. And in particular, it's really true for convenience. So one in five convenience shoppers said that they liked to support their local store. And actually, that was their main driver to choose a particular store over another. And throughout the last year, we've seen so many support local campaigns and really, really good uptake from shoppers who are placing importance on this trend. Definitely something that we think we'll see going forwards. We're actually also not just seeing it in our data. There's also the Barclay Card Spend Tracker. So they've seen that food and drink specialist stores, which includes things like Butchers, greengrocers, alcohol stores have all seen really sustained, continued growth throughout the pandemic when other channels have struggled more. And again, I do think there is maybe that risk. So 18% of consumers have actually changed their primary method of ordering the groceries from in-person to online. And for me, that's a little bit at odds with that more local sort of shopping trend, um, which, as we said, more price-led, less brand-loyal Um But I think ultimately, when it comes to local inconvenience, Shane said it perfectly when he said that retailers just need to do what they do best in knowing what their customers want and giving it to them at the best price possible. Excellent sound advice. Um, And speaking at the convenience conference last September, former Sainsbury's boss Justin King warned that Brexit is going to completely overshadow COVID in terms of disruption. He suggested food and drink businesses needed to start thinking about the changes to supply chain and labour costs. I mean, Ronan, surely any business operating in this sector would have considered this by now. Well, I, th- I, th- I think they are. I, I think with relation, specific relation to Brexit, I think perhaps some haven't quite fully comprehended the impact that it could have in terms of costs. Um, you know, we went through last year and we've seen, you know, the, the, the average wage for delivery drivers just increase, you know, exponentially. And, uh, you know, that's just one thing. We're also talking about, you know, huge wage costs um, across across supply chain in warehouses, in you know, all, all kinds, and, and actually in stores themselves. So um, they're not these these increases aren't entirely related to Brexit, but Brexit plays a factor. Um, so I think people will start to see more costs coming through, and if they haven't sort of worked on ways to uh, to deal with that and manage that and mitigate them, then, you know, they could be in for a bit of a shock. Every year, Illumina, we speak to grocery business leaders about their predictions and, and concerns for the market. And Brexit is obviously a huge, huge part of that. Over half of the people we spoke to named the import, export, administrative efforts, as well as the supply chain difficulties as having the number one biggest impact on their business. Um, So they all said that actually these costs were going to have a significant impact on their trading and their profits. And that was true across grocery and also hospitality. Quite a lot of people mentioned concern and the demand for a better informed government. 
many spoke about their fears that maybe the decision makers aren't totally aware of the nuances, implications of this particular sector. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think, you know, we're, again, going back to last year, we've seen this disruption in the supply chain. And we had a situation for, for months where, you know, industry bodies, the likes of the Association of Convenience Stores, Federation of Wholesale Distributors, along with, you know, the logistics um, guys and, and, and the British Retail Consortium, indeed, they were all all warning government that this was coming. This was going to be a huge problem. It was it needed effort, needed addressing. Um, in the end, very we got very piecemeal support from government, and yet they sort of now set up this huge task force with, um, you know, ex-Tesco uh, boss Sir Dave Lewis in charge to try and sort this out, looking not just in the short term, but in the next two, three years. So, again, it's you sort of mentioned that businesses should have got their house in order, but the government has been preparing for this for a long time, and it hasn't got its house in order. So, um, again, this disruption and impact of Brexit, impact and COVID, it's always difficult to disentangle it all but yeah we're likely to see it for for still a couple of years to come yeah it's so worrying i mean speaking of what else the government can do um i mean you, you touched on the the, the library or sorry the, the, the labor issue and um, you know we've seen the hgg driver situation get very messy over the past year and had an impact on all aspects of retail but there's also you know shortage of fruit pickers uh, in processing plants there was concerns over meat supply for christmas i mean do you think the government will change its mind on allowing EU nationals to work in the UK? They haven't, haven't shown any indication that that's something they, they would want to happen. It's a clear policy issue for, for the current government that any kind of real going back from what the, the, their original position is, would be seen as a bit of a defeat and a bit of a, a suggestion that the whole idea of Brexit isn't working. So I think they'll be pushing ahead as far as they can, working with what they've got, you know, when, where and when emergency issues come up then they'll probably deal with them that way. But I don't think there'd be any fundamental change. Mm. Of the businesses we spoke to, there was overwhelming demand for more EU workers. And recruitment is a pre-existing challenge that has just really been worsened by Brexit. Obviously, also impact of COVID-related delays. But one thing I would say is still it's price and value for money that do outrank things like staff friendliness and the importance of staff and convenience. So although it's a huge, huge factor, actually for consumers, it's still not the number one. Price is still more important. And that really says that it's linking back to the the role of tech and how that will change how staff work in convenience stores. Things like Amazon Fresh Century back into the UK marketplace really renewed that debate about cashierless stores and, and their place in convenience. So things like self-service checkouts, changing the way that teams work together so they're not spending most of their time on the tills um, and checkout and instead they can spend more time on the shop floor and focused on things like cleanliness, recommendations and um, being a bit more involved in the shopper's journey. And I think even as well, even um, to a degree, a lower tech version of that, just things like removing complexity for retailers like um you know, shelf-ready packaging and just making that sort of journey for retailers getting something from either cash and carry or from their delivery and getting it on the shelves quickly as possible without the need for extra staff, extra hours. That, that's going to be crucial. Um, is there also an argument for um, suppliers or well, employers to make jobs in this sector more appealing for British people if just if we're if we're not able to get people from abroad? I think that the last year has been really, really difficult for lots of people working in convenience stores because they've had to be 
you know, shop workers and also the police, and they've had to face some really difficult situations. So I can understand why there's a bit of disenfranchisement with the with the industry at the moment. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we've seen different campaigns right across the food and drink sector from trying to, you know, dig for Britain and stuff like that. And there wasn't much enthusiasm for that. Um, you know, when you talk about um, getting back into into stores and stuff like that, there's also the the issue of the rising crime and, and things like that that's putting people off. So um, there there is difficulty in getting the right stuff, and obviously when there's difficulty getting the right stuff, and that's not just in our industry, that's in all industries at the minute, then wages are going to have to rise, and of course then that puts pr- pressure on the the bottom line and and ultimately the cost people have to charge their products. Excellent. Yeah, of course. I mean, all these disruptions are leading to rising prices. We're heading into a tough year when it comes to food prices. I mean, how much of this is Brexit related, really? Or is it, as you say, is it everything kind of funneling into one big price rise? Yeah, it's difficult to to, to take it all disentangle. I mean, we, we talk about driver shortages. Only an element of that is Brexit. There's other changes that, that into the how tax was um, recorded um, for drivers was it was an issue. Um, the fact that UK drivers they're at the average age of a UK driver is getting a lot older. Um, they they haven't really invested in the facilities to make being a lorry driver in the UK an attractive thing in terms of you know changing rooms, facilities for them to stay overnight in, they end up sleeping in their cabs um, and have nowhere to really wash their clothes and things like that. It's, so all of that is just one example, but it's Brexit definitely played a part. Other things, you know, we're seeing with the friction of the borders and the queues at the minute and health checks on products, the animal health checks have to be put on products going across the Irish Sea. Um, all of this is is Brexit related and will actually impact in terms of price. Yeah, for me, it's probably the, the, the biggest factor. Things like COVID, in terms of the long term, we'll see trends like suburban migration, where people choose to work and live and shop. It's all going to influence the market in terms of adapting and gradual change, whereas the Brexit related issues are, are friction and difficulty and challenge rather than adaptation. Um, so it could be a really turbulent year. I mean, 88% of people we spoke to either um, agreed or strongly agreed that they think they'll see more merger and acquisition activity as a result of Brexit. So it could be um, an, another year like the one we saw about four years ago. And actually, convenient shoppers are also really, really worried. So 61%, they were extremely aware of product price rises in convenience stores. So they're noticing these changes being passed on already. And I think we're kind of just on the tip of the iceberg of it, really. Plani, do you think that will um, undo a lot of the goodwill that the sector has built up over the last two years if price, if their consumers are so savvy about these price increases in, in convenience stores? Yeah, convenience stores have always faced this battle of an increased price perception. They put in so much work at the last few years to get that value message across. But for me, I think that convenience stores will really need to upweight and um, and play into those other factors that they have, such as the local store, you know, community-led, um, maybe a more sustainable option rather than uh, bigger multiples. Yeah, and, and convenience stores uh, and retailers that I, I've spoken to in the last few weeks, actually, um, we've been discussing inflation with them. And it is a concern, certainly. There's no doubt about that. They... Um, they, they realize that there's certain uh, price points that they have to hit and if they don't hit them they'll start to sort of really 
find it difficult to, to, to compete. But I think one thing they, they do understand is that inflation isn't just hitting convenience stores, it is hitting the entire grocery industry. And so I think if they feel that it's rising at a level where, you know, it's impacting everyone the same way, then, you know, they'll probably be able to sort of convince customers that this is an industry issue and not something that, you know, they're trying to, to do in their store. And it's not just something that, you know, that they're out of sync with the rest of the rest of the industry. And um, there's also Northern Ireland to consider uh, with the Northern Ireland protocol requiring checks on products leaving Great Britain for Northern Ireland. There have been delays to the supply chain and talks between the UK and the EU are on about this issue are ongoing. But how detrimental has it been for retailers in Northern Ireland? Yeah, we keep hearing about it. We keep hearing about um, the, these talks and how there, there's going to be some movement. There's going to be a breakthrough and, and then hopes are, are dashed again. I think the latest we're talking about is they're hoping to get something by April. It, it, it just it, it's a constant headache for for, for retailers in, in Northern Ireland, not just in grocery, but in, in all things. And for customers, you know, even just trying to order stuff from the UK, it's, it's very difficult. Um, one slight benefit for retailers is that uh, in Northern Ireland is that the Northern Irish con- consumers are, be, are, are always been very, very keen on local. Um, they've often chosen, you know, uh, companies uh, from Northern Ireland for their tea, for their bread and things like that. So big brands have not always sort of had the, the, the traction in Northern Ireland as they might have done. Um, but it's just a headache. It's just a headache in terms of getting all these certificates, getting all these health checks on products that they need to get across. Um, even, you know, you look at wholesalers like um, Henderson's that cover the spar stores in Northern Ireland. They managed to do a deal with uh, Sainsbury's to supply Sainsbury's with stores with products that Sainsbury's couldn't get. And, uh, you know, that, that on the face of it is good for them. But I think you speak to anybody at, at Henderson's or any of the other wholesalers, um, I think the message they tell you is the one thing they would want is just Brexit to be reversed because it's just a daily headache. Yeah, well, I'm not sure that's going to be happening anytime soon, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it certainly isn't. I'm afraid that's all we have time for in this episode. It was probably a bit ambitious to think we could sort the Brexit issue in one episode, but hopefully we've shed some light on it for our listeners. Thank you again to my co-hosts, Blani and Ronan, and to you, the listeners. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe via your chosen podcast streaming platform, and see you next month.